right, well, good morning. Good morning. Y'all will take your green books and turn to page 113. If I can get my fingers to work right, I'll do the same. Glory to his name. We're going to sing all four verses on page 113. sing the first and last verses.
y'all will turn to page 57. We're going to sing Amazing Grace, all four verses. And I'm going to ask everybody who's able to, if you'll please stand. Bible, if you will, and turn to Isaiah chapter 48. You know, the things we were just mentioning to pray for goes along with the question I'm about to ask you, but uh, how many of you suffer affliction in this life? That just seems to go with it, doesn't it? There was a verse in this chapter that really stood out to me, and I began to do some digging on it, and I want us to sort of focus on this for a few minutes this morning. Uh, <clears throat> the Lord again is telling 
the people of Israel, you know, that Babylon is going to come and take them captive and that uh, they're going to have to suffer at their hand for a while. But the Lord will deliver them out of their their hand, just like he did Egypt. You know, he, he told Abraham uh, when he first called him that his people would suffer in Egypt for 400 years, then they'd be let out of there. And <clears throat> he's telling them here, he says, you'll suffer a while, but... I'll, I'll get you out. And um, he says here in verse 9 and uh, verse 10, he says, For my name's sake will I defer mine anger. You ever thought about that, that, that God can be angry at sin? And what if God, uh, the day that Adam and Eve sinned, if he'd have just said, uh, you know, I told y'all not to do that and just killed them and sent them to hell and forgot about it. You know, he could have. He had every right to. Aren't you glad he's merciful? And he does defer his anger. And he said, "For And for my praise I will ref- refrain for thee that I cut thee not off. God is so patient with us. Because he does love us and he wants to have a relationship and fellowship with us. And so he he doesn't want to cut mankind off from the earth. But then verse 10, I like this. He says, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. You know, when you refine silver, you put it in a furnace and uh, you burn away the dross and and out comes the, the, the silver. It, it makes it pure. But he says, I have refined thee, but not with silver. He says, I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. And boy, those words just, I don't know, they just uh, stood out to me. In the furnace of affliction. And I thought, you know, that goes along with the whole Christian experience is that all of us are tried and refined in the furnace of affliction. So I just want us to take a few minutes and think about that this morning. That God refines His people in the furnace of affliction. Verses 1 through 15 here in our text basically tell us that it's God's sovereign choice to do that. That's His choice. Uh, He says in verses 3 and verses 5, He says, I have declared. Look at verse 3. I have declared the former things from the beginning. Uh, Verse 5, he says, I have even from the beginning declared it to thee. God is God. He knows and he tells us here uh, that he knows the beginning, the end from the beginning. God God is is the one that, that has planned out everything. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that nothing catches God by surprise. And that's a comfort when you're going through affliction. Because sometimes we get into a, a place of affliction and we want to we wanna look at ourselves and say, you know, how did I let this happen to me? Where did I mess up? Where did I go wrong? Why am I suffering like this? We want to try to look to ourselves and think, well, maybe I did something I shouldn't have done. God has allowed us to be in that 
moment in time in that place of affliction. He knows about it. He knew it before it happened. It doesn't sneak up on God. No matter what you're going through today, it did not surprise God. And He already knew about it before it got here. And He already knows the outcome of it. And He already knows how to get good for you and me out of it and glory for Him out of it. And so just that one thing right there, if, if you like I am, that brings you a comfort just knowing that God already knows about it. In verse 15, He says, I have spoken. He says, I, even I have spoken. You know, when when God speaks, that's it. Read the, read the first chapter of the Bible. God spoke all of this into existence. And then we read in John 1, that it was the Word of God that was with God from the beginning. Jesus Christ, He became flesh. The Word became flesh. That's Jesus Christ. And says that nothing was made without Him. All things was made by Him, and without Him nothing was made. He speaks things into existence. When God says it, it happens. <clears throat> you can count on the Word of God. He is God. Look at verses 13 and 14. He says, uh, Mine hand also hath laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens. When I call unto them, they stand up together. Now think about that. There's a lot of questions in people's minds concerning the earth and concerning the heavens. So many things that we don't know. No matter how much science tries to tell you they know, it's a thimbleful of water compared to what's in the ocean, compared to the truth. Okay? And we all know that the world lies to us. And the world is constantly changing things I think, and sometimes they do it purposely just to keep everybody confused and to keep people thinking that they don't know which ends up. But there's there's so much to it, and God knows all about it. God created the whole thing. The Bible says the earth has a foundation to it. I've never seen the foundation of the earth, have you? <coughs> but it's saying... God holds it up. He, he, he put something in place to keep the earth in place. He created the foundation. He spanned the heavens. Span talks about from your thumb to your little finger. Span of, of a hand. Or, you know, it's the idea of taking and doing like that. And God just took his hand and just made the heavens. I mean, think about it. The heavens are fascinating, aren't they? There again, so much that people don't know about the heavens. But yet God created all that. He's God. Now if He did all that and put you and me in this creation and of all the things He created, the Bible teaches us that He loves mankind the most. Now, if he if he's that big of a God, don't you think he's big enough to care for us and look after us? And he knows when we're going through difficult times, and he's right there with us. 
the furnace of affliction. <clears throat> Does that remind you of three Hebrew boys that got thrown into the fiery furnace? Remember that? The Bible says the fire was turned up so hot that it killed the people that was taking them to the furnace. And they got thrown into the fiery furnace, didn't they? But the king said that there was another one in there with them. said, didn't we just throw three in there? Well, there's another one walking around in, in there with them. It looks like the Son of God. And Jesus is right in the middle of it with them. And Jesus is right in the middle of whatever you're going through right now today. Whatever your affliction is, He's there. You see, that's my problem at times is I forget that. I want to look at my situation and say, well, poor pitiful me. <laughs> Nobody's going through what I'm going through. I just don't understand why I have to go through this. Instead of looking to God and saying, Lord, I know there's a purpose for this. And I know you're right in here with me. And I trust you to get me through it. Just help me to respond to things like you would have me to respond to them. And, you know, if you look at it like that, things get a whole lot easier to handle than when you're looking at yourself. Look, look to the Lord because He's right there with us. The Bible says He'll never leave us nor forsake us. 2 Timothy 3.12 says that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We just mark it down. We're going to suffer. But not only is it God's sovereign choice, it's for God's uh, glory and for our good. He, he allows these things to happen so that it, it, it's for our good and for His glory. Now think about it. I know I've used this illustration before, but I think it's fitting. <clears throat> you know, everybody in here has had a situation where you had to take your child, your grandchild or whatever, you know, to the doctor and they got to give them their vaccines or whatever the case may be. And, you know, of course, a little kid, that's a terrible thing to think about getting stuck by a needle, you know. And they don't want to do that. That, that. that will hurt. They don't want that to happen. But you see farther than they do. You understand that that little bit of pain is for their good way down the road, right? Amen. Um. And there's a lot of examples like that. Well, that's the way God is with us. We go through a little bit of pain, but God knows that, hey, that's for your good. I don't think God allows anything to happen to us that is not from a loving heart, do you? Amen. He loves us. He, he, just, he doesn't just sit back and, and let things happen and say, well, look what a mess Alan got himself into. I told him not to do that. Next time, maybe he'll learn. You know, that kind of stuff. Or just not, not caring about us or just letting... He's got a purpose for it. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. <clears throat> he knows what we need. Look at verse 4. He says, Because I knew that thou art obstinate, and thy neck is an iron sinew. And thy brow brass. God knows that some of us are hard headed <laughs> and stiff necked. And He has to let us go through some rough patches in life to get our attention and to give us a desire to want to walk in His will. 
but God shows mercy. Look at verse 9. We looked at that a while ago. He says, For my name's sake will I defer mine anger. Oh, I'm so glad that God shows mercy to us. God makes... Uh, <clears throat> God is trying to make us what we need to be. That's what He's doing. He's trying to make us what we need to be. Again, verse 10, He says, I have refined thee. He's taking away the dross. He's taking away the sinful desires in our life and those kind of things that hinder our relationship with Him to make us what we need to be. Uh, look at Romans 8.29 for just a minute. <coughs> Turn in your Bible to Romans 8 and verse number 29. It says, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to what? The image of His Son. He's wanting to make us to be like Christ. He's wanting to make us to be like Christ. And that's why He allows us to go through some of these things. Is to make us more like Christ. Adrian Rogers used to say, you don't know what you're full of until you get jostled. <laughs> and when you get jostled, and the Holy Spirit spills out, praise God. That's the way it should be. But when you get jostled and the flesh spills out, still needs some work. <laughs> you with me? He's working on those things. Uh, God receives all the glory. Verses 11 and 12 in our text says, For mine own sake, even for mine own sake will I do it, for how should my name be polluted? And I will not give my glory unto another. Hearken unto me, O Jacob, and Israel, my called, I am he. I am the first, I also am the last. God is also doing these things not only for our good, but for his glory. We will praise God for all eternity. And everything that we have gone through to get to that point, we'll praise God for it. <clears throat> if we could remember, and the Bible says He wipes all that away anyway, that we won't remember this life, praise God. But if we could, I'm sure when we get to heaven and we see Jesus, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's not a person that, that would be there that wouldn't say, oh, I would have gone through a thousand times what I went through to get here. Right? It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Jesus took our affliction for us. Think about that. Jesus took our affliction. Not only, uh, you know, the, the, here's the, the Israelites. And God says, I'm uh, choosing you uh, out of the furnace of affliction. <clears throat> we do go through trials as saved people in our life. But we don't have to go through the same e the degree of affliction that the Israelites went through. Because Jesus has already taken that affliction for us. Think about that. Isaiah 63, 9. If you'll turn over there for just a minute. 
Isaiah 63.9 talks about that. It says, In all their affliction, He was afflicted. <laughs> what about that? In all their affliction, He was afflicted. And the angel of His presence saved them. In His love and in His pity, He redeemed them. And He bare them and carried them all the days of old. Even though the Israelites were going through affliction, the Lord was right there with them. And in all their affliction, He was afflicted. He, he feels the pain we go through. Our, our, our great high priest, the Bible says, is able to honestly look at us and say, I know how you feel. I understand what you're going through. Think about that. Nobody on earth can can say that honestly to in every and in, in all situations to people. If you haven't been through what somebody's going through, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know how they feel. But when you've been through it, you can put your arm around them and say, Well, I understand. Right? Jesus. Jesus is fully human. He experienced everything that you and I experience except for sin. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be afflicted. He knows what it's like to feel physical pain beyond anything anybody on this earth will ever feel. He knows what it's like to feel mental anguish and sorrow. Have you ever been so anguished over something that your sweat became blood? Think about that. We, he, he knows what we go through. So when you're, when you're sad and sorrowed and, and you're going through affliction and going through hard times, you can talk to him about it. Amen. He listens and he understands. He may not take away the affliction at that moment in time. <clears throat> but just like them boys in the furnace, <laughs> he'll be right in there with you. And he'll go along with you. And he'll, he'll protect you, take care of you. Hebrews 2, look at Hebrews 2.10. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 10 says, For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through what? Sufferings. Sufferings. The Bible tells us here that Jesus Christ was perfected through suffering. Jesus Christ, the eternal God, as he lived here as a human, the Bible says here that God the Father saw fit to perfect him through sufferings. Now, if he had to go through sufferings, why should we expect 
to be exempt. Uh, Hebrews 12, 2. While you're there, turn on over to chapter 12 and look at verse number 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is, and he is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He went through the suffering. He, he endured the cross, the shame of the cross, dying on the cross for our sins. He, he endured all of that for you and me. And Jesus took our affliction. I should have been on the cross that day. And in Christ I was. Because Christ took all my sin upon Him that day. He took all your sin upon Him that day. God punished Jesus for my sin. You, you understand that? He punished Jesus for your sin. Jesus paid for your sin. He paid for my sin. He took my affliction. You see what I'm saying? He, he, he took all that for us. He suffered affliction for me. That don't look like, y'all don't look excited enough about that. <laughs> I mean, who else would do that? Who else would take a beating for you? Who else would stand in your place and die for you? And as Jesse said, you know, it's... <laughs> Something quick like a bullet's one thing, but to be beat near, nearly to death to start with and then have to carry your cross, be nailed to that and suffer not only physical anguish, but mental anguish as people looked at him and mocked him and everybody just about that he knew and loved left him. I just can't imagine it. Even to the point of he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He did it all for me. He did it all for you. Oh, how he loves you and me. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. Some of you can probably say that by heart. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. It says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That verse right there is saying that Jesus knew He was God and He knew that He wasn't claiming or taking anything that didn't rightfully belong to Him. He is God. But made Himself, verse 7, of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus died for us. He took our affliction. One more and then we'll move on. First Peter 2 and verse 4. First Peter 2, 4 says, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. I, I, 
Yeah. He took our suffering for us. He's the cornerstone. He's, he's Jesus. He's God. But yet, he was disallowed by his own people. But yet, to you and me, he's precious because he suffered for us. Look, God also lets us go through the furnace of affliction to draw us near to him. Affliction draws us nearer to God, right? If we were saved and then everything just run along smooth and we never had any problems or any troubles, we're human beings still living in a fleshy body, we would not call on God. We would not look to God. We would not read in His Word. I remember as a young Christian, the only time I read in the Bible was when I had a problem. Praise God, I knew that I could go to His Word and I could get some answers. But if I had trouble, that's where I went. Usually, I probably didn't pray a whole lot either when I first become a Christian unless I had a problem. And I had plenty of them and I still do. But at least I knew where to go. Those kind of things draw us closer to God. When you get to the end of your rope, there's no place to, 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 to look but up. <clears throat> you have to look to God. Uh, verses 16 through 19 of our text. It says, Come ye near unto me. Come ye near unto me. That's what the Lord wants. He wanted Israel to come near to Him. He wanted Israel to come close to Him. He wants you and me to come close to Him. He wants us to draw near to Him. He desires fellowship with us. And He wants us to fellowship with Him. Look at James chapter 4. If you'll turn over there for just a minute. James chapter 4. And find verse number 8. The Bible tells us here, draw nigh to God. Tells us that's a command. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Isn't that a wonderful blessing to know that if you start getting, if you start coming to God and want to get close to Him, He won't run from you, and He won't hide from you. He'll run towards you. Amen. Remember the story of the prodigal son? When he finally come home, his father ran to him. Our Father does the same thing. Our God does the same thing. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. What does verse 9 say? Be afflicted. It's part of the process. 
if you draw close to God, you're going to be afflicted. I listened to a couple of people this week on the radio that have come out of the New Age movement and come out of some really terrible things. I mean, things that just obviously the devil and demons are all a part of. And uh, they've been saved out of that. And they've talked about now that they're trying to share Christ with their friends and their family and people that they know how they're under attack from them, you know. It's just Satan. Satan don't want people to know this. And so they're, they're, they're suffering persecution. They're going through affliction because now they're walking with the Lord and they're walking against the grain. They kept talking about the broad way. And they talked about all the different things out there that they could be involved in when they were lost. That was all leading them to hell. But yet now they're on this narrow way. This narrow way. And I like the way this girl described that. You know, we think about the, the narrow way to God sometimes being a maybe a negative thing in some respects, that the world might look at it as something negative. You know, the world wants to say, well, you're narrow-minded. <laughs> yes, that was important. <laughs> you know, the world would say, well, you're, you're narrow-minded if you think there's only one way to God. So they look at that as something negative. But let me tell you how this this young lady looked at it. She said, God has to make it a narrow way to protect us. It protects us from all the stuff that's on the broad way. If we stay on the narrow way, Jesus is the door. So you go through that door, that one door that you can go through. You have to stay on that one path, go through that one door, to be protected from all the stuff that's on the Broadway. I thought, well, I never looked at it like that. I like that. <laughs> but it says few find it. That's right. Few there be that find it. That's so true. So, when you think about it, He wants us to draw near to Him. But affliction will be part of that. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. So, you know, as you draw near to God, yes, you're going to go through some affliction. The closer you get to God and the more you walk with God, the harder life on this earth is going to be. Amen? Amen. And the fewer friends you're going to have. <laughs> and a lot of you family members don't want to have anything to do with you because they won't understand either if they're lost. It is a narrow path. It, it is laden with some affliction. But it's all for our good. It's all for His glory. And you don't know as others watch you go through that you don't know how God's using that in their life to maybe lead them to Christ. And also, 
God says that going through the furnace of affliction is for our eternal salvation. Our eternal salvation. Verses 20 and 22 of our text. 20 through 22. He says, Go ye forth of Babylon, flee ye from the Chaldeans. With a voice of singing declare ye. Tell this, utter it even to the end of the earth. Say ye, the Lord hath redeemed his servant Jacob. Now just for a moment, I want you to think about this. You can't run toward sin and run toward God at the same time. you got to run from one and run to the other. And the Bible tells us right here, come near to God and flee Babylon. Get out of Babylon. Every one of us in here are more involved in the world system than we ought to be. Every one of us in here. Myself, certainly. More included maybe than any of you. Because we've just grown up in this world system and we've been taught that so much of this world system is just part of life and it's just necessary and we need it. But there's a lot of things that we mess with in this world that we don't need. And they're not leading us to God. Facebook. <laughs> I'm, and look, I ain't got nothing against Facebook per se. I just use that because that's something I'm familiar with. Most, look, just the Internet in general. Most everything on the Internet we could live without. And most everything on the Internet does not lead you closer to God. Television. Most of the stuff we watch on television does not lead us closer to God. Newspaper, magazines, conversations with people, the news broadcast, most of those things, depending upon people in this world, tell us what we need tell us what to do most of that does not draw us closer to God am I right or wrong and we just participate in that stuff because we're just let's just become common we're just used to it you know there was a time when people lived in this world without a television without a radio you know you have to decide for yourself what you need to be involved in and what you don't. But my point is, <laughs> we spend more time in this book and spend more time with God if we spent less time with that other stuff. Flee Babylon. Go forth from Babylon. Flee the Chaldeans. Get away from that stuff. Come to God. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. The only two things that I figure we need on this earth in order for us to 
have a relationship, you know, have fellowship with God. Now, I mean, we once you're saved by faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, once you're saved, this book right here, we got the Holy Spirit that lives in us. So we need this book and the Holy Spirit of God. And that's all we need. This is how God talks to us. The Holy Spirit teaches us what's in this book, speaks to us through this book, and leads us to speak to God. What would what would our lives be like if we could really get serious enough that that this was the most important possession we had on this earth, this Bible? What if we really decided that we wanted to spend as much time as we could with God. Reading this book, talking with Him, and we put away the things of the world and we focused on that. The furnace of affliction will get hotter. (laughs) It will. It'll get hotter. But God's right there with us. And look look at, I mean, when you read this Bible, and you read about the people in the New Testament, I know that they were apostles. They had a special calling that none of us have. But look at how they suffered. I mean, you can tell by the writings here that, you know, Paul, Peter, James, all them, their number one thing was the Lord Jesus Christ. Their number one goal in their heart was to, to spread the gospel, preach the gospel. And they all suffered for it. They all lost their lives for it. I wonder sometimes if we're just in the cradle, devil just singing rock by Christian. <laughs> you know, it's okay. You don't have to do a whole lot. But maybe we should do more. I don't mean get up and go out and do a bunch of stuff. I'm just talking about what this Bible says. Come near to God. Get away from Babylon. That brings us to our eternal salvation. Because he says here that the Lord has redeemed us. Verse 20, the Lord has redeemed us. Look at verse 21. And they thirsted. Not when he led them through the desert. He caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them. He claved the rock also, and the waters gushed out. You can read about that in Exodus 17, 6, Numbers 28 through 11, where the Lord led Moses to strike the rock and water come out to give water to, to God's people. And in 2 Corinthians, I mean 1 Corinthians 10, 4, The Bible tells us that that rock is Christ. There again, Christ was stricken for us. He took our punishment. He died for us. And out of him flows the rivers of the water of life. Freely. That's right. Yep, come and drink freely, the Bible says. So affliction leads to our salvation. We don't earn our salvation. 
We're not a, we don't go through affliction to earn our salvation. Christ went through the affliction for us and earned that salvation for us. But when we come to Christ and we put our faith in Him as our Lord and Savior, just understand that now we're out of step with the world. We're not on the broad way anymore. We're on the narrow way. And we will suffer affliction in this world for our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But be encouraged. It's for our good. It's for God's glory. And He's right in there with us. Let's pray. Well, before we pray, one other thing. This last verse. If you don't do that, if you don't follow Christ, listen to what it says, there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. What does Romans 5, 1 tell, tell us? That being therefore now justified by faith, we have peace with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read it so I don't leave something out. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want peace, peace is not the absence of conflict and turmoil in this world. We're going to go through the affliction. But I'm telling you that the Bible teaches us that you can go through that outward affliction and you can have a peace that surpasses all understanding inside your heart. And that only comes from Christ. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, please take this word. Multiply it in our minds and our hearts for your glory. Help us to be serious about our walk with you. And to spend time with you as much as we can. In your word and in prayer. And to walk the narrow path. And to know that when we go through affliction, it's for our good and your glory and that you're right in there with us. And that it gives us a peace inside of us, God, that nothing can compare to. And it leads us from here to our eternal salvation in Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.